and welcome to episode 745 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, October 11th, and uh, we are coming live from the Arizona Fall League. We have a quartet of, well, three geniuses and me, um, but Paul Smore, Nick Pollock, Jason Collette, Justin Mason in the house. Guys, how's it going? What is happening? Yeah, I feel like I'm here with my three sons. You, it looks like it. It looks like it. That As was I was good. saying, you know, Nick is tall. I'm tall. Uh, I used to be skinny. Nick is skinny. I look like uh, I could no, be your son, good. too. I mean, yes, I'm, that's true. age, it doesn't quite work, but looks, it definitely does. I could have fathered you with And then me. we have to figure out what's going on with the uh, mailman, yeah, uh, Justin, <laughs> there. Something, something went wrong in the equation. <laughs> I, I just appreciate Baseball HQ giving us the big room for this. Yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, we have an audience. I'm not good at estimating audiences. I would say close to 1,000, but maybe yeah. coming just under. You hear that uproarious laughter there. That's not a laugh track. That is legit. We're here, best weekend of the year. Two weeks early, by the way. How's that messing with you? You're a noob. You're a noob. How's that messing with you? It doesn't mess with me at all because I'm actually going to be home for my You're gonna daughter's You're going to be home birthday. for your daughter's birthday. First time in 10 years. Finally a good Father dad. freaking year. Finally <laughs> a good dad. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. My daughter's birthday is tomorrow. I was going to say, you're yeah. missing your first. Now the new father. Yeah, of you can't possibly remember it. Doesn't yeah, no. matter. Your wife's never going to let her forget it. And Nick, you don't have any children that you know no. of. No. Um, <laughs> but no. you're probably missing some birthdays somewhere. Well, people call me dad. Uh, we're moving on from that. We're going to dive right in. Alex Fast is in the room. We're going to briefly... <laughs> yeah, what, ha- what happens on the, on the corner pod is between you guys and Pitcherless. What exactly happens on these fireside chats? Yeah. I do not call him dad. <laughs> well, I edit that out. <laughs> and, uh, never mind. I'm, not, I'm, I'm moving on. Sorry, Talk a little playoffs here. Because of one specific thing, not so much that Annabelle Sanchez beasted uh, tonight. It was fantastic. That was great. But uh, specifically the ball, it was very clear early on that it was, uh, it was different. A lot of shots that were just dying at the warning track that were going out this year. Um, shots that, that should have gone out maybe even without, the, you know, without a juice ball. This seems not only neutral, but below neutral. Nick, I'll start with you. First off, how early did you start to notice it? Now everyone's talking about the, the de-juiced ball. What do you think about it for the playoffs, and do you think it's going to carry over for 2020? I don't see why they would be like, hey, for the playoffs, we're going to do this, but then actually normal regular season again. I mean, he was gaslighting Why'd us they do the it the first season. time? Well, I mean, the entire season, it was like, it's not juiced. Maybe it's a little bit juiced. Okay, fine, it's juiced. <laughs> yeah. Then you can't just say, ha, it's still juiced again. That just doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. Nothing Rob Banford does make sense <laughs> to me, though. That's actually the best argument I've heard about it. Um, Jason, seeing the, the de-juiced ball right now, are you already making adjustments to any uh, – obviously, you're not doing rankings yet, but where, where's your head with the de-juiced ball? And can you think of a player or two right off the top of your head that's going to uh, be hurt most by it? I mean, you don't believe that baseballs are made in batches and that we're just in a bad batch of baseballs right now? No. Okay. No. I just wanted to check. When each team got a specific batch for the playoffs and they were very hidden and, you know, undercover about it. No, I don't believe that. I mean, that when just Will happens. Smith hit the ball and the entire team there's, came out on the field and everybody no world that, where that game shouldn't was have over. Gone. There's and no world. Could you hit the ball that he thought was yep. he was carrying the bat? Yeah. Um, I mean, they said the, the two pieces of work that came out this week was the one by Rob Arthur uh, saying that we had 11% more home runs. If we had used a 2018 baseball in 2019, we would have seen 11% fewer home runs. 
And then Ben Lindbergh wrote one this morning, uh, restating a lot of that as well. And then guess what tomorrow morning's topic is? First panel is this. So we'll be yeah. expanding upon uh, all of this uh, as well. Uh, if they switch it as quickly as they have, maybe they'll do it. They said they're going to be public about it, which it, that was a point in Ben Lindbergh's article, though. They talked yeah. about it. Uh, they said, you know, the, the, was it the Mexican League or the Japanese League? Which one of them was secretive ja about the The Japanese the League was secretive, and I believe the commissioner got in some serious trouble yes. with it. Like, serious. I think he killed himself. I mean, no joke. Uh, but that was... This got dark. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back it's to the daddy talk. But then, but, college, <laughs> but then in college in 2015, they came out and said, we are doing something to the baseball. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was uh, better accepted. So if Major League Baseball is going to learn a lesson, it would be nice at the winter meetings to say, hey, guys, we're going back to the regular baseball. See, that's something, and Justin, I want to bring you in. That's something I was wondering. What's the downside of just being honest? Well, even if be, you're vacillating being, on, with it. being honest about this means they have to admit that something was wrong with the previous. Well, I, I understand. A, it, Let's it start all the way from box. there, though. Why weren't they just honest from the start? What it, they could have said this year, we're trying a different ball. It's a little bit different. It's probably gonna be a little bit more offense. Because they're then people question their motives. I mean. And let's not act like this hasn't happened before. It was in 2017 with the the ball that you Darvish couldn't grip properly. Yeah. So I mean, this has we, been an issue constantly over the last few years. And Major League Baseball has a hard time admitting when they do something stupid. And let's be honest, that's kind of who they are. And so we shouldn't be surprised that that's what's it's happening. It's and. I mean, this is a thousand people in this room, and uh, we just hit a thousand with Chris yeah. Blessing coming in. Yes. Thank you, Chris yes. Blessing. Yes. It's incredible. Get that but man a Justin Mason T-shirt. It's men. We're men. We don't admit the truth. We just keep lying. It's easier, and that's what baseball's doing. All right. Well, that's that's the playoff ball. I, I think it's we talked about all winter and and kind of how. Uh, it affects your rankings and all that. Rays would have won with a normal ball. <laughs> Speaking of being delusional. <laughs> and just burying it and yeah. keeping going. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about 2019, the season that we just had, and some of the key takeaways that we had. I just wrote an article, Five Things I Learned from the Season Up on Fangraphs Now. Uh, Nick, I'll start with you on your first one. What was one of your big takeaways from the season that you're going to use for 2020? I think it's more of an emphasis on uh, really understand that you need three pitches and especially one that you really trust. I think especially with Zach Wheeler specifically, he was someone that was a big fan of yeah, entering the year. Were. And I had the idea that, you know what, with all these good secondary pitches, one of them is going to work generally. But I mean, even, you know, we, Alex we Chamberlain mentioned today is that none of them really was that good pitch. None of them turned into that. And if a guy doesn't have at least one secondary pitch that he can really turn to, and I would even say that, Woodruff slider is good enough. Don't worry. Uh, it is good enough to be that solid oh, second pitch. I know pitch. that. Oh, I you know. needed to be convinced. It was the that. general don't worry. Okay. Um, that's something that's very important. So moving forward, I need to make sure that I have at least one secondary pitch that they trust also. So if you're in a league with Nick Pollock, he's not drafting to Nelson Lomet. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> Jason. What's one, one of your key takeaways for 2019? All right, one of my key takeaways. So Besides not riding scooters. Yeah, that too. Uh, no, this, see, so this year we had, let's see, 1,723 more runs scored in 2019 than we did in 2016. Uh, in 2016, there were 22 players that drove in 100 runs. So with all these new runs we had this year, we still had 22 players that drove in 100 runs this year. It's just you know, the game has become – get on base and wait for the home run. Nobody's moving anything around. It's just uh, 
more emphasis on the home run and it sucked. I, I want more running and I'll get to point number two. But if with, with all the extra runs, the distribution of runs driven in has not moved. And it's uh, it was almost the uh, 100 RBI guy was almost as rare as a 20 steal guy this year. Yeah, it's just crazy. I was going to say, we see that in a lot of the stats where they're either rising or holding, but the distribution is really being spread out. And that's with uh, so many fewer guys playing even 155 games, let alone 162. That's like three guys a year uh, at this point. So that is an interesting thing. Justin, what's one of your key takeaways from 19? Well, I, I think if I'm going to be a little bit selfish here and talk about myself because that's what I do best. Um, so, uh, you know, I, the biggest thing I learned was obviously from my main event team uh, trying to stash too many players. And I think especially with the amount of injuries we saw at the beginning of the season, those of us who tried to do that strategy thinking we could get an influx of talent later on and it put us in a better position to dominate a league, uh, learn that you can crush your entire season in the first month by doing so. Especially if your team that – that, that is playing isn't keeping you at pace mm -hmm. or above. Now, at that point, you were playing from behind, and those guys could only help you get even, yeah. not not even get right. So, um, and somebody told Justin Days on the IL was actually a scoring category. He was number one in the entire 570 teams of the main event on uh, IL days for sure. Uh, Jason, let me get your second one here as your, as your key takeaway from 19. Really on stolen bases, we had, the, we had the fewest players with 20 or more stolen bases since 1973. And there were fewer teams in 1973, but nobody's running. It started this decade, 50 players in 2011 stole 20 or more bases. This year it was 21. Jeez. Just run again, please. Nick? I would say I would want to have a fantasy league that doesn't have stolen bases or saves. That's really? what I want to do. Why? Wow. Because 199 different pitchers had a save this year. So? I don't want to deal with it. I just So I, you're lazy. No, I'm not lazy. Yeah, it's you just are. not fun. How, why isn't it fun? It's, it's just a lot more of chance every single time. I just so? got so much applause, all right? So why much. is this so hard? No. It was why like so 300 of the 1,000. Get out of here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I was, no, I was quoting the work of Alex Fast, by the way. He put out an article about we're drafting saves wrong. It was essentially in the 160s last year. That's a new record this year, 199 Okay. 2019. It's just... I don't. I really just don't want to deal with it. It's just all I need to do is I need to now waste multiple roster spots just on saves alone, and then stolen bases. Okay, just got to get one or two. Hopefully, this guy gets a lot of saves. We just talked about it with Colette. How uh, stolen bases rather are just so annoying to get these days. I just don't want to deal with it. I'm done with it's it. Though, but that, what are you that's gonna do? Why, unless you're playing in a league with an overall, the right strategy is going to become punt saves or don't or punt speed or don't pay for speed. But how? But how fun would it be if like we all just got on the same page? So wait, are we going to play we're power on only the same page, You just don't like the page. I, I just don't. I don't like the page. Well, play, so, but that, I like it. You know, you get a I, set of rules. You learn how to win. Within yeah, within that those. Side. I understand this. That's, I don't like it though. Boring. What? That is remarkably boring. Well, I'm happy that play, you feel that way. We're going to play a power only league. No, 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 no. So you can you can definitely craft a league that. So what are you putting in? Let's see here. So for. Uh, <laughs> I can describe my ideal league if you like. I don't want to hear that. Exactly. I didn't think so. I knew that's not what you wanted. Uh, we're going to have pitch value, and it's going to be pitch info. Well, first of all, pitch value fantasy leagues are awesome. We uh, haven't even tabulated the results of oh, ours. Oh, uh, no, yeah, we have. But you just haven't been on Discord. You uh, lost, fit. Uh, probably. Yeah. probably. Well, you did, but it's okay. I lost worse because I had all injured cats. Yeah, I had Jameson Tyon. Oh, uh, I have everyone injured. Justin, your, your second takeaway from the year. 
I mean, his second takeaway just blew my mind a little I, I know. I'm, I'm so shook by that. I mean, Let's be honest, by the way. He wants to get rid of all offense. So this is the, the, getting rid of stolen bases would not just wrong. be the beginning <laughs> of moving to an all-pitching league. Instead of AL only, NL so only, it's pitching only. Yeah. <laughs> How many pitching only leagues you in? 11. I, I kind of just, you know, ruined my, my second take because I was going to say that uh, we look at certain stat categories and want to pay up for them because they're scarce. And I think this year really showed that you can either devalue the price of stolen bases because it's so much easier to get up there mm-hmm. uh, with with less guys. I think the fact that we're overpaying for stolen bases is, is, isn't how the league should be played uh, right now. And I think if we're... If we end up really figuring out a better way to play the game with uh, not having to pay overpay for stolen bases, we're going to put ourselves in a better situation. So. I mean, you made, the, you made the point about an overall is, is kind of what makes sure that you have to pay for those things, which I'm fine with, though, because you have to be balanced. You can't sure. – like, it's pretty easy to punt. Like, it sounds like you guys just want to be lazy, okay? Do the fucking work. How about that? Because uh, it's... Happy this isn't on my stream, by the way. That's right. <laughs> just, uh, it's just yours. It's, and yeah, you can, uh, you can bleep that out. He gets very hurt by curse words, so we have to be careful. We have to, curse? We have to be careful curse? around young Nick. I did that for you. I did all that for you. That was entirely for you. He has to say, like, poopy pants and stuff on him. <laughs> you can be more you articulate are fast. Welcome. You are welcome for that. Um, yeah, ju- <laughs> just do the work. Like it, it, it's not that hard, and you can still. You don't have to overvalue them. I do think right now um, some of the early 2020 stuff is like pushing every speed guy up. Can't take on Nolan Arenado in the first round because he doesn't run. That's stupid. So I, I agree with some of your your general thought about overvaluing these things and bringing them back, but getting rid of them I think is insane. Yeah, no, I can't get rid of- I understand. I mean, it's also like the special stat of like, hey, fantasy baseball just isn't the same without this really cool th- event that happens in baseball. Stolen bases and saves. I totally get this. And it gives different players val- – I mean, it's going to get too homogenous at some point. Sure. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that Let's could be – Let's just do a two-team war league, you and me. How about <laughs> oh, really? Oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay, no, uh, <laughs> no what you can do is you can you can also say, okay, I'm going to add, say, I don't know, strikeouts on top of it. You can also say we need average in there, but we need to have OEP. You can definitely have ways to make variance within power guys. Guys. It's not just going to be a power league necessarily. And but if that's the way you want to play, that's fine. Like I'm that, that's, all right. That's for, true. Right, yeah. you develop a league and find 11 friends or, or 14 friends <laughs> that want to play Seven, that four, way. But or five as, friends. As sure. Relax. Yeah, we're I'm inclusive. Not that you should agree with this, but that's my takeaway. Is just, there's just so much more variance in it, and I just. But that's I, fine though. What, why fine. do we want to know how it's going to pan out in April? That the reason we play is because that there's going to be that variance. I mean, we're still a far cry from that loser sport that you don't like, fantasy football. Oh, it's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> should have worn your shirt. Well, I will tomorrow. I'm not even kidding. I I don't know. It, it's just. There's this element we just have to deal with. I feel like it's a bowling ball that's tied to our ankle every single draft season. And I just, what if we tried it once without it? Well, you can. I'm pitcher, pitcherless league without stakes. Why saves not? And Let's have some fun. And let us know how it goes. I will. All right, I'll now, update every single week. Now we're going to make Nick happy and we're going to talk some pitchers here. So I've got, uh, oh. I've, got a, I've got a few pairings <laughs> here. I've got six pairings of guys, just kind of either or, you know, the standard fantasy draft battle here. And uh, and we'll start with you, Nick. 
was, and I'm going to mention the two early mock ADPs for these guys, and we're just kind of talking about who we like best and why. Steven Strasburg going 44th overall right now versus Jack Flaherty, 43rd. Strasburg quietly had a brilliant season, uh, pitching very well in the playoffs as well. Jack Flaherty, I mean, you talk to somebody in like May, they'd have been pretty upset with their uh, with their returns on Flaherty, and then he goes and has uh, perhaps even a better second half than the 2015 Jake Arrieta second half. Who do you like more, Strasburg versus Flaherty for next year? I am shocked that Strasburg is behind Flaherty right now. I mean, they're one pick apart. I know, but still, like that's I the, don't know. I think it's that Flaherty second half really well, driving course. up the price. But it's I don't know. I, I think obviously it's not the same situation as last year with Marquez and Wheeler having these incredible second halves. But it kind of is. But well, it's a little it's a little different. But yeah, it's it. I mean, the sack the, the, the for the sake that Flaherty was still your, good. Without the that second half, right? It was like Marquez just came out of nowhere and did that. Sure. And then Wheeler did have more instances of being successful. For Marquez that. figured out Coors. I heard that. <laughs> I read that <laughs> right. on the internet. It was like eight games in Coors. Okay, fine. It's fine. Uh, but with Flaherty, okay, if you watch any of his games, he deserved every moment of success, especially his Sunday game before the end of the year. I think he had under 50 pitches, pitching in the sixth, and he still had strikeouts. It was Flat out dominance. Mike Schilt is a hero. Sixty nine pitches on the final and nice. with seven innings. Nice. How nice yeah. is that start? How nice is that start? That's a number. So uh, <laughs> even that That's offends him. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we need to do this? So Why do we need? Okay. So much poopy pants. Anyway, continue. Okay. I uh, with Flaherty, it's it's a case where I think his pri- his price is just too much. Yeah. We're we're paying for sixteen starts. And, I, I agree. and it's not that necessarily he was bad before. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I was in the preseason last year calling him Lance McCullers 2.0 because he had one really, really good breaking ball. But McCullers had a really bad fastball, and, and Flaherty kind of had a good fastball. That's where the 2.0 comes in, though. You actually used it right. I hate when people uh, say 2.0 <laughs> to mean the same player. 2.0 is supposed to be an improved version, yeah, I totally, so you actually I, I used totally, it right. Yeah, I know, but I totally meant the same player. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> I'm not going to take that. Uh, no way. Uh, but his, fa- his fastball is actually really well commanded all of a sudden. The second half. That was actually a more effective overall pitch. Oh, for sure. Than his slider. That I will, drove the second half. I will half. argue that without the slider being that good, the, there's no way the fastball is that good. Um, they shook each other's hand, of course. But it's, it's really nice to see that. I, I am worried that his curveball isn't enough to be a proper third option when the slider feel isn't that good. And we've seen before, guys have feels of pitches, and they go on these stretches, and it's wonderful. Think of like Jake Arrieta at the end of 2015, I think it was. We had, what, yeah. one earned run but, but, in but two and a half months or But before he went so. the following year. It's like well, those right. big second Well, that's halves. what I'm saying is that it, it eventually will decline, I think, from Flaherty unless he adds something else to – to be in his back pocket when the slider feel isn't there. Strasburg, I mean, we talked about this before, where you were just saying Strasburg's floor is ridiculously good. He's just never been bad. Right. Injury is the only so, thing that has been there. So one thing I, I preach a lot is if I happen to take an early pitcher, I am going for floor 100%. The most important thing, especially at the at the top levels of pitchers, is just what is their floor. If I'm spending a top, I guess it's like what? 12 starting pitcher price 15 yeah that's they're 11 and 12 i am going for strasburg's floor over the the hype of flarity whoa, 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 whoa. how can you go for strasburg's floor when he pitched 130 innings in 2018 because Strasburg, he pitched 175 you, in 2017 well you don't need that 130 innings these days is actually fine what is, what, i mean what is his floor then if you're saying if, if we're seven or eight here what is his floor that you're taking at? strasburg's yeah 
It's like 130 innings of like a mid three ZRA and a boatload of strikeouts. And that's I mean, it's not well, what no, I it's want, not what but you're talking want. about the yeah. floor. So, right. I'm, yeah. Clarities is like four plus ERA and like. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, and I, I don't think, I don't think, um, you know, I don't think Flaherty's necessarily like meltdown floor, but I think his floor is a bit more unknown. I mean, we're going into what the 10th season of Strasburg. Um, and again, injury's been the only thing that's ever stopped him. His worst injury is a 374. Yeah. The injuries have been reoccurring. It's not like we're talking about But they haven't one been time they haven't been two times. catastrophic. They they've been he's, pretty knickknack. He's still been over 20 starts every single year exactly. since 2012. I mean, when you really look at him in the grand scheme, Strasburg's sl- kind of underrated, I think. Yeah, I agree. Because if, I, if I'm investing a pick that high in a pitcher, I want a guy I feel pretty comfortable is going to get the 200 innings or close. Well, I will say this. I'm not drafting either one. Okay, that's fair. But I'd rather have Strasburg than Flaherty. Justin, uh, Jason? Only thing that concerns me with Flaherty, he's not even 24 years old yet. Uh, and the next inning he throws puts him at 200 innings on this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a lot of work. You, I mean, as you talk to Strasburg, go back and look at Strasburg's career. And, you know, he went 159, 183, and then 215. Then he went 127, 142, 175 on It's almost like you hit this, <laughs> the odometer goes over that's and then restarts my, building. That's <laughs> honestly kind of my concern with, with Flaherty is just he's not even 24 years old and he's got a lot of miles already. I mean, last year, if you just look at the, the major league levels, 151 innings, but he threw 31 in AAA, so it was 182, and then now the 200s. I mean, if they go further into the postseason, yeah. there's a good shot at 215 Plus innings, that's a big jump year to year at that age. Sure. Honestly, that's my concern, but I, I agree with everybody on the floor but with Strasburg, and that's the direction I would go if you made me choose one of these guys. You're all, all wrong. Right. All right, let's, <laughs> let's move on to our next one. And, and Justin, I'm going to start with you here. Now, these ADPs are actually pretty disparate, but uh, based on some chatter about this guy today and the fact that he went uh, pretty high in an auction, and auction dynamics were at play, I'll get into it. But it's Frankie Montas, ADP of 165 versus Jose Barrios uh, at 81. Now, Montas in the XFL Keeper League draft, which definitely has severe inflation, uh, went for $30 for context. And again, auction dynamics played a role. Chris Sale went for $29. And um, we had uh, your presentation, yours and Alex's, where Alex was very high on Frankie Montas. I'm pretty high on him returning. And so I think that this ADP is is kind of where it's going to start and only go up from here. So I do think that they are a lot more comparable than these ADPs would suggest. Justin, who would you go with between Barrios and Montas, assuming that Montas is going to very much exceed this this particular yeah, I, ADP? I would, I would assume he's going to, because I mean he was still suspended as these drafts exactly. were going on, so he was buried. And one of the things you got to realize in these two early mock uh, drafts is that we're using the player list from the you know from this March the season. So they're going to be players, especially rookies or guys who were drafted really low that don't get as much love as they probably should in these ADPs because, let's be honest, they get lost, and people yep. are often working from a list. So, and I, I mean, I love Frankie Montas. I mean, I have for a long time. West Coast guys. <laughs> I can't take him over Barrios. It just – What, just what about it like – um, let, let's, let's say like a 30-pick difference, a two-round difference. That might be enough for me to put him over, but, I mean, he doesn't have the track record yet. No. And – you know, as much as Barrios can be frustrating to own, especially when he goes through lulls in the season, he's been pretty stable over the course of the last three seasons. Yeah, I, I do think he's a little bit uh, under 
underappreciated for what yeah. he's done. Yeah, I mean, he's a stabilizing force in your rotation. And he's gotten, what, 192 innings last year, 200 innings this year. That's a lot of quality innings to add into your overall stat line. And as much as I'd love – I think there, I think the upside, if we're just playing an upside game, like in a best ball, I'll go Frankie Montas. Because okay. I'll, I'll, I'll grab onto that upside and hope that he gets there. But in just a traditional Roto League, I want some stability with my early pitching. I think that's fair. I'm going to be really eager to see how the uh, Montas ADP evolves. Jason, between those two, again, let's put him at like a 110 because I think that that's probably where he's going to settle for Montas. Oh, do you prefer him or Barrios? It, easy at the, where he's being taken. I'll I'll take Montas just for where he's taken, even if it's a, even if his ADP was higher. I think the difference. You know, while I'll disagree with Nick about guys needing three pitches, Montas absolutely needed one. I mean, yes. what he had wasn't working. Uh, if other guys, I don't think you need a third pitch. It's more how you manage them and, and hiding their exposure to third time around. But Montas, the splitter, made everything else look better. Uh, and the splitter wasn't PEDs. The splitter was a legit pitch. And that's why I like him more, and especially at the price he's being discounted because, as you guys talked about in your presentation, recency bias on the news. But I like Montas. Now, Nick, um, you and I have talked on the fireside repeatedly about splitters. <laughs> And uh, Alex Chamberlain spoke glowingly of oh, a splitter, and you nearly spontaneously combusted. It was interesting. <laughs> I didn't uh, want to interrupt his no, wonderful you, presentation. I know, I know, but you almost, you almost exploded. I did. Um, so I kind of have an idea of where you're going here, but uh, give us some insight and, and talk about, uh, reiterate again, your, your issues with splitters and, and reliance upon them. Well, okay. So in general, and by the way, on your point, Colette, about three pitches, I would say it's more so about if you're in the top 15, you need more of a backup option. The later you get, if you get to like the 30 and beyond, like I don't care. If you have two good pitches, that's awesome. Good job, buddy. Right. You know, you don't. I don't need three at that point. Uh, I'll get more of it later. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> awesome. No, keep going. Uh, so, so with splitters in general, it, for me, it's just it's just the most inconsistent pitch there is. If I if I I'm okay as a third option. That's cool with yeah. me. It's like a twenty percent. You know, thing, it's right? uh, it's when it's your second option. That's when I get a little bit worried because it's just. I mean, just think about it this way: when you grip a slider, you're going to this place on the ball. You're going. You know exactly where you go every single time. I'm putting my fingers exactly on this seam, and that's how I'm doing this. With a curveball, it's the same thing. With a split changeup, you are jamming your hand into a ball in your glove, and you get one shot at it. That's it. You don't get to mess around with it for like 10 minutes until you get the right grip. You get one chance for that pitch. I mean, if you want to tip the pitch and be right. glass now, you could. You know, I joked about it in the presentation. Too soon. Yeah. <laughs> Too damn soon. Yeah, that's the next time. Never. Uh, no, actually pretty awesome that you fixed it, too, mid-game. Yeah. That's yeah. So, second inning. Well, so really cool. awesome. Oh. Still what really cool. The second batter. That's <laughs> happening as an – all right, fine. Fine. <laughs> He's still um, good looking. So that, he's got that I think it looks him. like uh, uh, Killian Murphy. Anyway, does. it doesn't matter. That's interesting. Um, that's the, that's what you come here that. for, guys. Yeah, we should dive into that. <laughs> Celebrity lookalikes of pitchers. Sorry, continue. Homer Bale. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, for, uh, for splitters in general, you know, you can't just like stop the game to get the right grip. Sure. You know, you have to actually just go with it once. And in general, you see guys like, who had the best splitter in the league? Oh, it's Masahiro Tanaka. Well, we see, saw what that happened. You know yeah. what happened with him. With and he's been pitch. homer prone because of the splitter. Right, even it's before just the an inconsistent ball. pitch. Sure. Same thing with Kevin Gaussman. Those are the two popular examples of like who had great splitters. Those guys, even Jeff Smarzja actually used to have one. He had a really high strikeout rate at the time. You but said what the do magic you know? Words. But you know what? <laughs> <laughs> he also came with a high walk rate. 
and he had to actually lower his his splitter usage because it was used too much and he couldn't find that balance using the two pitches. So that's generally why I'm against splitters. And also with Frankie Montas, it, it's kind of a small sample size that he's been throwing it. Sure. You know, we haven't seen him over a full year. That all being said, I have to ask, what was the best season of Jose Barrios? Was it last year in 2018 when he had 384 ERA and a 114 whip and a 25% K rate? Or was it this year of 368 ERA, but 122 whip and 23% K rate? I mean, dollar value, they're probably about the same. Right. Um, so, but that's two really strong 190 plus innings. I don't, seasons. I don't, okay. I, I get this feeling that we're all waiting for Jose Brios to kind of turn into like a Shane Bieber I, or a like a top 20 arm. I don't know if he needs to, though. He's going 23rd in these two early mocks. I think people That's are kind so of accepting. I don't know. I mean, I understand the landscape has changed and the home run, all that kind of stuff. But his curveball so pretty. But it's not a it's consistent pretty. pitch. It's pretty. I know, and That's it's why pretty and damn that. annoying. <laughs> we got him the curse. Yes! Oh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we broke him. Well, we oh, broke man. him. This we did. It did. Because I, I don't know. It, it's. It, it, I think Barrios is the perfect example of this guy. They're all just kind of waiting to be much better, and it's fine. I, I totally understand the value. I mean, uh, I, I think you were saying it, Mason. Like, oh hey, I know I'm what I'm gonna get probably out of Barrios. But you just, you and just that's pretty cool. But you just advocate for floor. Well, at tw- but that's the, that's a different floor than it is with with Strasburg, and at twenty three, I'm like I don't want it. There's so many more exciting guys. Like I, I don't expect in any way the Barrios could hint at a sub three year. Right? I just don't really see that right now. But with other, I don't see where in his repertoire he's not going to all of a sudden get that curveball down pat that it has an O swing of forty percent plus and his own rate of forty percent plus. I don't see that. He just hasn't done that. And so where does it come from? Where does his growth come? I don't know. Change but up other was better guys, this year. That's not going to be the number two pitch that takes him over the edge. Maybe not, but maybe it's, again, fewer fastballs. Uh, you know, shave the fastball rate down even more for Barrios and work both of the secondaries. I see a lot of guys in those 20s that it's a much more uh, approachable path to their upside. Yeah, they're like cool. Who? I got it right here. Um, well, I, mean, I mean, we can talk a lot about like the guys like Kluber and Severino changing. So I don't know if that's necessarily fair. Like Carrasco, yeah, by the time March comes around. They're likely to go way up the second that's that fine. they show up in spring. I have actually a good argument to make that why not just get Mike Soroka? Like at the strikeout rates this past year were pretty, I mean, slightly lower for Soroka, but Soroka also has more of an opportunity to grow with his, uh, his changeup and slider. If you want to talk about ratio floor, uh, hi, I'm Soroka. This is great. So I don't, I don't see why you would be going after Brios where there's a much clearer path, say, for ceiling for Soroka. Who's going later yeah, than you're him. not going to get but me to hate on Soroka. picks don't often work out in that round. For instance, the number 22 pitcher off the board in the main event last year was Zach Wheeler. Okay. So I, I think well, oftentimes we want to shoot for that ceiling, and we kind of forget about what can go wrong. And you're setting, up, you're setting your whole team up in the early part. You want a strong foundation. If that strong foundation falls out, it really puts you at a disadvantage. Then you have to hit those later picks that jump up. I mean, are you going to win your league with your SP2 giving you like a 3-8-5 ERA? With, with that whip for 200 innings? Yeah, yeah that, that's going to be pretty 120 good. 120 whip at 3-8. I don't, I don't 114 know. 114 last like, year. That's not what I want to chase. And, well, You're not going to chase That's, yeah, that's it, not though, what I want to draft. It's a fair market value. You know? Let's also just, you know, t- mention the fact that Nick plays in 12-team leagues. Versus mostly. 15, uh, of course. Versus that's 15 fair. Okay, that's, I mean, give me, give me this list again. Let's well, these, these were 15-team leagues, um, so, so that, that does 
that does play into it for sure. Um, so you're obviously taking. I mean, okay, so then you, okay, so Chris Paddock, do you guys see him widely different than Jose Brios? I mean, they're going right after each other, for example. Well, he, he's the next guy on the. In right, right. Yeah, so, yeah. So we, do, we'll, you we'll see, do you see no, Paddock no, he, going like a 3 8 ERA with a 120 whip and a 23% K rate? Say that again. Do you see Paddock going a 3 8 ERA with a 120 whip and sure. a 23% K rate? As sure. like, that's what you expect. Yeah, I got uh, no problem with that. I probably expect a little bit more, but I right. I would take Paddock over. Yeah, Rios. well, uh, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is like I don't, I think especially in the 20s into the 30s, there are so many guys that are pretty similar. Yeah. At least with Barrios, I just don't see him possibly taking that leap. You know, I'm not saying like you have to just take a terrible chance at a guy that's going to have like a four or five year array or something like that. I don't think you have to do that. There are so many options at this point. I'm just not going to go after Barrios. So with the price of Montes later on, yeah, I'd rather go with that. You're I'm not, not the biggest the guy on Montes. So. Well, neither was Brios wasn't going there. Brios was going like 83 or something. Oh no. But, All right. Uh, well, let's let's yeah. move on to our next one. It it does include Chris Paddock at 82 <laughs> and Tower Glass now uh, at 91. Jason, we'll start with you. Um, I don't know if you heard, but Tower Glass now was tipping his pitches yesterday, dude. <laughs> I could see it. His glove. We all saw it. Yeah. Uh, but at these ADPs between Paddock and Glass now, uh, who do you like? I mean, frankly, I was surprised that Glassdown came back and pitched this year. I honestly thought he was done. Same. Uh, then he came back and looked like he didn't miss a beat. That's yeah. the scary thing. Um, and, you know, bias aside for me, the fact when you look at Glassdown's expected stats and he's a 98 percentile pitcher, it is really tough to overlook that. Really tough. And if he was able to shove the way he has, hopefully the elbow has, uh, whatever that was, has gone away. Uh, but honestly, that's the only thing that holds me back. I don't care what uniform he was wearing. The stuff is elite, and it gets back to let's not you – know, this is what I was talking about earlier where I disagree with Nick a little bit. It's not worry about what he doesn't have. Let's emphasize what he does really well, and yeah. what he does really well is shove high fastballs. Well, uh, yes. <laughs> which, which, Nick, which Nick him. does love, so you are, you are kind of speaking but he's, something he, he does he love But he works there. the North-South game. Yeah. He's up and he's down. His next frame artwork in Nick's office is going to be a glass a now. Tyler glass yeah, now absolutely. Pitch plot when he throws his no-hitter this year. Uh, uh, combined no-hitter because he's never going to finish again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it'll be a combined no-hitter. <laughs> you said that uh, you don't care what uniform he is. I do because there's no chance this would have happened in Pittsburgh and, and Tampa Bay. Oh, no God, big, no chance. It would a, be all down here. Yeah, it's a big reason reason why uh, he was able to uh, become the glass now that we saw this year and he was really impressive you know Paddock came in with all these expectations was being quote-unquote overdraft and I think he really panned out um, so I, I do think that you know glass now is probably the flashier of the two interestingly enough but but Paddock was really good Justin where do you come out on these two? Oh well I mean here's the thing I, I don't think there's any chance that their ADPs are this similar Really? Um, you no, think Glassnow is going to zip by him? Yeah. Okay. I, for sure. Uh, I mean, by the time these drafts were going and these picks were being made, to we're your in point the earlier, first week of September. Yeah, That's about Montas so, earlier. That's a really good point. Glassnow wasn't back. So, wasn't they, pitching well in the playoffs or tripping his pitches. The same ADP. I'm taking Glassnow. Okay. I mean, the, the stuff is just elite. It does. The injury stuff does scare me. Uh, and so I, I definitely wouldn't want him as like an SP one. Like I wouldn't want I wouldn't want him anchoring my my rotation, but uh, as an SP two would be great. But there's there's no way where his price is going to end up. Like we'll have the drafts tomorrow and we'll know a little bit more about where he's going. 
my guess is someone's going to take him as an SP1, and I think that's a mistake. Take Glass now as an SP1? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I would not can't want him. You can't, he can't be your number one. There's just no way that that's going to work. I'll let you finish it up. You already spoke a little bit about Glass now. Um, so I want to focus on Paddock here because we've already kind of talked about Glass now. Paddock, again, great season. Um, I think some of his second-half struggles, as they were, are a little bit overstated. It's like a five, six-start run that was pretty bad. He closed brilliantly. Uh, his last four starts were excellent. A little bit of a home run issue, and that was whenever, whenever Paddock got got, it was via the home run. But um, 153 strikeouts and 140 and two-thirds. I thought they actually managed it pretty brilliantly. When they sent him down, we knew exactly what they were doing, uh, but they only had to do it once, and I thought that the Padres uh, you know, managed him quite well here to get him to the finish line. Yeah, with, with Paddock, he's so fascinating to me. I love his heater. It's hard not to. right? He does such a good job of jamming it up and in. His delivery is very from the rubber straight to the plate. It breeds consistency. It doesn't go across his body. It's just straight. Here you go and go and hit it, and it's great. I, I, I'm so undecided because it is a Vulcan changeup. And a Vulcan changeup, essentially, you, know, you just, again, it's even worse than a normal splitter now because now you have also yeah, your ring finger involved. It's just, yep. why do you do this? And what's nuts, though, is that he threw it so effectively for most of the year. He had essentially, like, the beginning of the year, he was great with it. Then it kind of fell apart in the middle of the year, and then it came back up in September. 48% O swing on it, which is really nice. Sub 200 average on that changeup for Chris Paddock is fantastic. Gross. And I mean, I always, I've been talking about Paddock being excited in that his changeup could get better. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what that means, Fast. It's all right. I'm sorry. Two strike foul balls. He has a lot no, of them. No, no pitcher has more foul balls than two strikes. Is that right? Yeah. I thought it was Verlander. Then, then Paddock? Fantastic. All right. And that I, was a problem for early, early career Verlander. I don't know how his career well, turned out, though. Maybe you could look that up. <laughs> well, that was – no, no. Chamberlain – I, I could have uh, sworn Chamberlain had an awesome foul ball article talking about two-strike foul balls and that being conducive to strikeouts. And Verlander being at the top of that would make a lot of sense. Same with Scherzer, I think, being there too. Uh, but we always expected Paddock eventually to get that curveball. I was going to ask about the curveball because right. that would give him uh, not only third pitch but a third velocity level, like distinct it, it, 94, 85, right. 76. Like Johan Santana back in the I day. I mean, it could be bit. so disgusting if right. that developed. Now, it's a 10% pitch. It's basically a show-me at this point. But it's more – I mean, I think it's actually a little bit better than I, that. I think the shape of it and potential of it is, is yeah. there, but usage is a show-me. Right. And that's really the main thing I'm going to be looking at with Chris Paddock in the spring is how much is he using this curveball? Is this something that he thinks – we can actually get him to use when his changeup. You know what? I'm just not finding the Vulcan today. Exactly. That's that's the only real thing about that kind of split change. If it's your number two, you gotta have at least something. It doesn't have to be great. Just something. I know you can go 20 percent, 25 percent on a given day and get out of it. So I'm kind of undecided about Paddock. It's a it's a case where I could see him just having the same kind of tumultuous season. But hey, it worked out this one. Yeah. This ain't so bad. Uh, so I I, I imagine. There are going to be guys in pretty much every league I'm in that are slightly more into Paddock than I am, but I would not be upset drafting him as an SP2. Yeah, I, I do agree with Justin that I think Glass now can, can shoot by him in ADP, and then Paddock, if he kind of stays around where he is, um, I'm definitely open to taking him as a 24th pitcher. I, I, just one last thing on Glass now. Sure. It's crazy. I just found that his curveball had a 394 BABIP last year. Oh my God! That's ridiculous. And he had a 167 batting average lag because he struck out so many guys with it. That's and it's insane. Awesome. But that's crazy. That's that's really that's nuts. Just, 
Sorry. Now let's get uh, let's get a little deeper. These last three here um, are all past the 120 mark. Justin, we'll start with you on this one. Brandon Woodruff at 124 versus probably one of the big poster boys of the conference thus far, and I think it'll continue into tomorrow. Zach Gallen at 145. Uh, lots of love for Gallen. Woodruff, uh, in his own right, was fantastic this year. Who do you like between those two? Well, I, I like Gallon, but the m more people who talk about him, the price is just going to It's going to go up. There's no up. way. Yeah, I want to be clear. That 145 yeah. is not holding. Yeah. If you can do an early draft and get him, good. But you're not paying 145. Yeah, I think you've already missed your shot to get Zach Gallon. And I think that's at the end of the day when we start really doing drafts, you know, in January and February, the price is just going to go through the roof and we're going to be priced out. Uh, that being said, I'm here for it. So, uh, and Woodruff's health scares me. Uh, home park. Wait, health scares you since when? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hell are you the, talking about? I'm going the opposite direction. So, uh, home park scares me. Uh, I, I love Gallon. I love the fact uh, that uh, he's now getting to pitch where he does. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have a ton of shares. And, yeah. And probably going to have to overpay for it. And I, I think I'm open to, to kind of overpaying. If, if we put him around, I don't know, 100, that's Darvish, Bumgarner, Soroka. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I think I would too. Yeah. Uh, Jason, how do you feel between these two with Woodruff and, and Gallon? Again, uh, understanding that Gallon's going to go higher. Um, who do you like, though? I think the 2020 Marlins are in great shape with Gallon and Paddock. So <laughs> Yo, don't forget Luis Castillo. Uh, uh, hey, they got Luis Castillo, yeah, Castillo yeah. too. I mean, that's a serious one, two, three. Hey, come um, on, Dan Cerilli's really good. <laughs> yeah. What else did they get for that? I, I lost. I forgot. Uh, I mean, I'm really, I'm really impressed with Woodruff though, because especially the way he pitched down the stretch. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people may just look at innings, uh, major league innings total, but look at what he did in the minor leagues, and the workload was really not a big jump. The problem is we don't have a big workload season, so we're projecting that his big body type can absorb the big workload, and I, that's this is where I'm going to go. I'm not going to chase Gallon, but it's not because he's bad. It's just I've seen more Woodruff, and I really like what I'm seeing. Yeah, I really dig Woodruff, too. Uh, we talked about it, Nick, you and I, the Woodruff versus Burns, where we each were on one side, I Woodruff, me Woodruff, you Burns, but then we both said that we also wanted the winner. So even if we, yeah, exactly. if our guy lost, we were still going to back the winner there. Uh, it ended up being Woodruff. I know you love Gallon. He was one of your biggest touts today in your, uh, in your presentation. Assuming that they're much closer in ADP and maybe even Gallon, like I said, around 100, who would you take then? Well, I, I currently have Woodruff over Gallon. Okay. I know it's going to surprise a lot of people considering I love Gallon a lot. Yeah. Uh, really there's something to be said. <laughs> <laughs> there's something to be said, though, about having such an incredible foundation in your fastball. It's just so And nice. I, entering the year, I didn't believe that its command was that good. That's what it was about. Especially, I, I kind of was concerned that he opened up a little bit too far too often, but... And it's also the fact that, it's, that Woodruff's slider is not that bad. No, it's actually pretty I thought it, I, I, it didn't really look to be that great before. I don't think anything's going to come up as change up, but that's okay. And I was talking about before, like, it's all right being two-pitch pitcher if you're getting drafted as a 25th to 30th guy. Sure. Okay. I, I think Woodruff is, is a pretty nice floor, uh, especially with the Brewers where they were going four innings with everyone but Woodruff. So don't worry about you know him getting only five innings. Or yeah, I think they'll. Be, That's fine. I think they'll still let him go six throughout the bulk of the season, right. and uh, I don't think that'll be a problem. It really is uh, a bummer that the injury stunted what was what was looking like an amazing breakout. He made the All Star team. Uh, very nice season for Woodruff. Great season for Gallon. 
Going to be eager to watch those two tomorrow at the drafts. Let's stick with you for this one, Nick, and move over to Denelson Lamette at 214 versus Luke Weaver at 210. Speaking of an injury-stunted breakout. <laughs> oh, man, that was so frustrating. He had three days. Okay. This is Weaver we're talking I've about. I've been waiting so long for Luke Weaver to finally have a third Yeah, I've been waiting that, that long. He's like 12 years old. <laughs> That's a long time in my life, Spore. <laughs> Um, no, really, he's he's needed a third pitch. He's needed something that because he's a fastball changeup guy. Generally, you see with fastball changeup guys, cool. You have one going up, you have one going down, but you need that thing you can throw for a strike. And he finally found it in his cutter for three starts, and he killed it. And then he was done. Yeah. And I'm really this is very much of a player that I'll be watching a ton in the spring. Is he still incorporating that cutter? It's it's kind of crazy for us to talk a lot about spring performances, but there are certain cases where if they are using it a lot. Yeah, okay. I think that Weaver can do good things. Now, Lamette, Lamette, if you are, especially if you're in a roto league and you find yourself well behind in strikeouts, go for Lamette. I mean, you're going to get it. Uh, Eno compared him to, to Chris Archer. I, that's, that's great. Yeah, it's, like a it's, perfect It's, it's exactly right. I mean, I mentioned him in the presentation today just about how chaotic he is with his breaking balls, and it doesn't matter. Do you think the Padres could good. trade him for three elite yeah, players? Yeah, right? Oh, that would be so good. No. Um, but uh, no, not at all. I. Uh, and if you're if you're waiting for his like fastball command to show up or his or change a third up, pitch, yeah. You know what his third pitch was before? A split change up. Uh, just saying. Uh, right, it's no, back. Messing around. But yeah, uh, uh, but no, I would rather go with Luke Weaver here personally. Yeah. I think there's just it, it's a case where I know well if you need the strikeouts you go for Lamette, but if you're looking for something that can actually maybe turn into something of a SP three in some way. Weaver could be that. I don't want to overrate two innings, but I love that he finished the season on the field. Weaver. Yeah. Came back, got that little two-inning jaunt. It's huge. I, I just like that. It just yeah. gives you a little comfort there. Justin, you're nodding your head. Are you are you leaning toward Weaver as well? Lamette, for his money, by the way, was was pretty strong coming off TJ. Somebody that I was kind of ignoring. With TJ returners, it's a, it's a show me something. I don't draft them. I don't stash them. I want to see something. He was pretty darn good. He ended up with 105 strikeouts in 73 innings. But where do you come out between Weaver and Lamette? I mean, it's not a leaning. It's a, like, running. It's a running. To, yeah, yeah. I mean, For Lamette Weaver, is yes. what he is. He's yeah. a guy who's going to get you strikeouts, but he can hurt you everywhere else. So that, that's a problem for me, whereas Weaver has the ability to be an SP2. And, I mean, getting him after pick 200, obviously that'll probably come up a little bit. Uh, considering what we've been talking about with those ADPs. But even if he's going at 170, I just think that's such a great opportunity for profit potential that you have to take it. Yeah, I think so too. I, I, I just don't know. Um, and I, I think 170 is a good mark because I don't think Weaver's ADP is going to overly jump up because people are going to look at the 64 innings and they're going to they're gonna press the pause button a little bit. Uh, Jason, are you going to sweep in here? No, I'm not. Uh because of the Chris Archer comp. No, it's going back to his raised roots. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, if we think back, maybe two years ago, we talked about Luke Weaver. What I hated about him was, uh, you know, he really got punished third time through the order. Absolutely yeah. got punished. Because he had so, nothing to rely on. So, but, so you have two options there. Get him a third pitch, got him the cutter, was better, very, you know, 56 batters uh, faced last year, but better third time through the order. The other option is to just not let him pitch third time through the order. Jacob and Rizzi that's style. where, and, and you see all, you saw the move that Odorizzi uh, took forward this year uh, as they limited his exposure deeper into the heart of the lineup third time through. And I think that's where the success for Lament can be. And it, the point I was making, uh, trying to make earlier is, you know, there's a 
business book I'm reading right now called Nine Lies About Work uh, by uh, Marcus Buckingham and Ashley Goodall. And they talk one of the chapter, one of the lies is you don't have to be a well-rounded person. If there's something you do really well, do more of that. And Lamette, he throws a really good slider. Use more of that. Why can't yeah. he be the right-handed Patrick Corbin? Yep. You know, Corbin's got the great slider. Fastball has been up and down throughout his career, but he throws more sliders. And I think that's where Lamette's success is. Forget trying to find a changeup. It's not going to be there. Yep. Do what you can while you can. Find a manager that's going to limit you and let you face 18 to 20 batters a game. And you're in the National League, for Christ's sake. Just get pinch hit for it. You don't need to stay in the game uh, and see where that success. And I think in that kind of model, it limits some of the damage he, he presents when he gets overexposed. And you can still get the strikeouts and squeeze more juice out of him. Now, I will, I will say, I don't think you're making it any way, like the actual comp between Corbin and Lamette. But just for like the distinction of like why Corbin is Corbin is because his fastball command is so good. It, now, yeah, well, it, we'll what, go back two years ago. What, what, right, but I'm not, I'm not gonna make a bet that Lamette's command is just gonna. Okay, great, it's gonna be good. I'm, I have no expectation that it's gonna. Right, be but I mean, with, if, if you look at the, they're a mirror image. Two years ago, Corbin was struggling with his fastball command and was just getting blasted by righties. Sure, just blasted. Now he has worked. He's figured out how with better fastball command to be average against righties because he's still not great against them, but he's not getting blasted. And Lamette could have a path forward. It, it's he also could take a step backwards. But that's what I look at with him is forget about the off speed. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But let's see if he can tilt on the slider even more and leverage his best skill. And I, and I do think when we start to get at this point in the draft in the 200s, you are making kind of your team construction. If you find yourself behind in strikeouts, I think uh, Jason or Justin, you said it. You go for Lamette. Yeah. You get those strikeouts. Or if you're playing in a points league, I mean, a point. I mean, yeah. Like perfect guy for a yeah. Points league. Uh, absolutely, for sure. I do think Lamette uh, is probably the safer bet there too. So definitely did some good things. I, I'm I'm higher on him than I was coming into this year, just because he was such an unknown coming off of TJ. Uh, one thing I wanted to add with I know one of the other things that I just thought of that I didn't like about Luke Weaver after his big early year was you know he had this unusually high strikeout rate this with a very low nothing to back it up rate. yeah uh, and Marcus Stroman was another guy like that I remember doing a pitch plot and writing an article and there's Luke Weaver all the way out there by himself <laughs> yeah uh, it, and that regressed down and that would be something I'd want to look at again to see where things are uh, with that but as you you know we're wrapping up I remember writing that article and there's that little dot where he was the outlier and then that came back down to earth. Uh, and let's see where that goes. You know who was that last year was Fulton Evich at uh, 27% with just a 10% right. swinging strike. Same 10% swinging strike this year, 21% strikeout rate. It's just at a certain point, you can't maintain it. So I definitely agree with you there. That is a good point. We'll see how Weaver does with that cutter. We talked about with Montas, his splitter is a little bit of a small sample. Same thing sort of applies for Weaver. Of course, he's much cheaper, though. So between those two, maybe you take the discount. Uh, last one here. We'll start with you, Justin. Lance McCullers Jr. coming back off the TJ season at 253 versus Griffin Canning, another uh, poster boy that I think is going to get mentioned a lot this week as somebody to keep an eye on at 272. And uh, who do you like between those two? This kind of hurts my soul a little bit because I've been a Lance McCullers guy for a really long time, but he didn't throw a single inning, you know, in, in 2019. And who knows what it'll be, and who knows what the Astros are going to be willing to do in terms of his workload next year. There's just too many questions coming in to, do, uh, to next year. So, uh, And I, I love Canning. I think he has a ton of room for growth. Uh, so... Yeah, I'm going to go canning, even though it goes against what I've done for a number of years. The one thing I do like is that um, 
McCullers had his TJ last November, November so he's going to be sure. well clear of a year and, and could, you know, not going to come back and throw 200. I mean, he's never been a workload guy yet anyway, but I do think that that's going to open him up to being ready for opening day, and we'll see how his ADP evolves in spring. But um, your What's point, his role going to be, though? We, yeah, you're, we, you're, we for sure don't know that he's going to be in the rotation. But what if, they, uh, what if they middle him? That could almost be better. If I get four or five innings in the middle, uh, win probability is remarkably high. We know we're going to get all those strikeouts, so I'd, I'd almost prefer that, at, at least as far as like the first couple months. And then they start to trust him more, and they start tacking on, and maybe he's a six-inning guy by the end of the season, standard starter. But if he starts the season as a three, four-inning guy after Urquidy opens for him or something, that could, yeah, that could be pretty awesome for McCullers. But we'll stay tuned on that. You're right. He is a big, big unknown right now. Um, Justin, uh, excuse me, Jason, between those two, McCullers and Canning, who do you like better? Honestly, this one's tough for a couple of reasons. You know, to your point earlier about you know, show me something coming back from TJ. Yeah, it's November. By the time he takes the mound in a major league season, it will have been 18 months. But you know, we we even saw it with Darvish. Uh, it, it took him a while to get because the last thing that comes back in after TJ surgery, it's it's the command. And he didn't even have any to begin and with. And it wasn't great to begin with. Yeah. That was the, the point. But conversely, with Canning, he hasn't thrown a major league pitch since August. You know, they shut him down. Uh, after repeated multiple issues with the elbow. So would it surprise me if he's one of the first guys in camp to be shut down and then ends up with surgery in 2020? No, it wouldn't. Uh, And so I I think we're going to get more production out of McCullers this year, but there's a lot of risk with both of these guys, in my opinion. For sure, and and their ADPs reflect that, and I definitely paired them together based on the the injury uh, situation with them. Nick, I saved, obviously, you to close with them because – You've spoken about Lance McCullers so much in the past, and you do love Griffin Canning. So uh, give us a rundown here between these two. Well, we have five months, really, to decide. and uh, I We're going to get a lot of the, info in that time. Right, and that's a really good point, uh, Jason, about, yeah, Griffin Canning kind of is an injury risk. And we kind of are assuming that he's not right now. But, yeah, there is a massive injury risk there, too. I'm going to talk about this as if, let's say, they're both healthy and both starting. Yeah, okay. Because so that sounds fun, right? They come that in, sounds like spring's going well. I would well. imagine, yeah, if Lance McCullers is not starting, we're going Griffin Canning. Yeah. You know? So if they're both healthy, I am taking Lance McCullers. As much as I love okay. Griffin Canning. Okay, okay. Um, no, there's just more of a track record of being a higher floor, and it's kind of similar as far as that strikeout upside goes. Uh, I love Griffin Canning because I think he's someone that you can get late. Let's be honest, you're going to have both late. on your team. Well, we'll see what happens in March when yeah. March 11 comes around, right? Uh, yeah, I think I think there is a little bit of undersell of McCullers. And I've hated McCullers. I, I see the high walk rates. I see essentially just having a curveball. But then he had a changeup that was really good in 2018 yes, all of a was. sudden. Yeah. I, that really surprised me. And hopefully he is going away from sinkers. I mean, Alex Chamberlain, are you here? No, you're not. But you'd be very proud of me saying that. <laughs> uh, I mean, the Astros as a whole of four-seamers. He hasn't pitched for so long. Sure, whatever. I'll throw four-seamers now. I could see that happening for McCullers. So that's actually really exciting. I also really do love Griffin Canning. I see him as, I mean, it, it's a comp that will probably kill me later, but I see him as Bieber 2.0 in the sense that he has two really good secondary pitches, a fantastic slider to miss bats, a curveball he trusts for strikes, and actually reverse that. Slider he can throw in the zone without any worry and then curveballs that he often gets a lot of whiffs on and then a four seamer that he actually does elevate really effectively 93 94 and that bit, sounds great and a bit too hittable in the zone right, right now and if he can tame that 
Canning Ken so and close. like Bieber. And of course, Bieber, you know, people who bet on that coming through this year really panned out. And uh, you don't have to pay nearly that sort right. of tax on Canning. He's not going anywhere near pitcher 40, which is where uh, Bieber was going this no, year. No, exactly. So, I mean, I've been seeing Canning, what, like 55, 60? 77 in the two oh. early mobs. So, I mean, oh. yeah. He's still my beating heart. <laughs> uh, sorry, Gal. Um, <laughs> but McCullers, I mean, I imagine McCullers is going higher than that by. Uh, but definitely by March. There's De- no definitely, way in the mid-70s. I think, using your scenario, they both come into spring. They're both pitching well. McCullers is shooting up. Canning's kind of stair-stepping right. his way up in the ADP. McCullers is just a bigger name. Yeah. And so, so the second people get that confirmation of like, okay, he's alive and well. I'm going to take right. him higher. So, I can see myself going for both just because I don't think the prices will be, I mean, because of the injury stuff. Yeah. I mean, the tougher uh, part about watching the two in the spring is what we need to see from McCullers. We're not going to be able to see until we actually watch him pitch. Yeah. Whereas in canning, it's pretty, you, you'll be able to watch velocity to see if something's wrong. And sure. unfortunately, um, McCullers will be in Florida. They don't, we don't get any data. Well, they're supposed to be working on that this winter. So okay. Because nice. I mean, we it, have to see McCullers pitch. A lot of well, Arizona spots have some data that we can get, but uh, nowhere in Florida seems to right now. Right. And we can also just use Colette's pitch tracker to say, like, hey, McCullers is throwing a four-seamer now. That's right. So we'll probably get <laughs> Hey, that. Luke Weaver was on that list last year. With a cutter? Yes. And what do you know? And, and, it, and it absolutely worked out. Well, that's going to do it for our for our matchups here. Uh, I want to see. We have a few minutes left. I want to see if there's any questions in the audience, pitcher related specifically. Uh, but does anybody have any questions? Or we have a thousand people yeah, here, personal. so I have to. Or personal questions. <laughs> Alex, what stupid thing do you want to ask? There's a thousand people in here. Come on. How dare you? <laughs> I love Alex fast. Um, okay. Aside from. Got him. Let's start with Justin. Aside from canning and aside from Gallon, is there someone that you're you're looking forward to and think have a nice upside later on? I gotta bring up my. I I I can start. I can start. You know, we don't know the role, as Nick likes to call it. Dodgeritis is a big issue, but Julio Arias. We're still seeing it. You know, when he had that shoulder issue, the capsule, people were talking like it's over because that used to be kind of a death sentence on your career. And uh, it's very much not. He was he was quite great this year when he pitched. Obviously had the legal situation, had the suspension. If there's any more to come from that, we'll deal with that at the time. That's not what we're on right now. But as far as the talent on the field, he's great. And um, I would take my 130 even from them, you know, and, and kind of get that bulk in the middle of the season and in head-to-head, I might be careful because I don't think he's going to be there for your playoff. But uh, in a roto where you're just getting the numbers, I think Julio Urias at his price, even if it moves up a bit, and I'll give you the price right here, 208, even if it moves up a bit, I like that. I'll go with, actually, Garrett Richards on top of this. Oh, uh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That's a snipe. <laughs> I wouldn't have taken him. I so thought you, you weren't ready. Go okay. No, go ahead. Uh, 382 right now, 103 ADP. I mean, I will say that he did come back since this. Yeah, that's a, that's. So a, that might have changed it. I'm a little worried about Richards because I don't think I'll ever buy that his command is there. Yeah, 
and he, and his health is just a but mess. Stuff is, but it, I love it. it. It's 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 like the diamond essentially, or the it, triangle of like. I've been he trying has to make a Garrett go this way, and a two seamer go that way, and then a slider go that way, and then why not? Let's just throw like a dope curveball. The most best spin rate curveball in the league. It's I've been so trying to make dude. Garrett Richards a thing for like I know fifty and he years. Keeps getting hurt. But yeah, he, but he did show up, right? He showed up. He came back. Fifteen AL Cy Young That's what's up. So yeah, so I'm I'm definitely curious how late uh, Garrett Richards is going. And, I would and, love to take that early. And I really don't on. even think with an elite spring that we it would become cost prohibitive right? for Garrett Richards. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. though, I think the craziest that you could really see would be like 220, and that's the 62nd pitcher where Kenta yeah. Maeda. That's is. like the 20th round or so of a 12 team. I'd have I'm zero so problem with I'm that. So in. One of the Jays. Who who's got one over there? Since I talked to Bob, just, I'm going to go to uh, Lament. Okay. So you're, 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 you're all in on Lament I'm right now. I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I like it. I dig it. Yeah, I mean, Sean Mania came back healthy. Maybe and draft. Dominant at the end of the year. Uh, pitches in a great ballpark for him uh, with a pretty uh, darn good organization. So. Real strong defense now, yeah, too. Defense, I mean, especially uh, with Simeon improving his defense, oh, Chapman yeah, obviously I'll, being I'll a stud, Loriano. I think there's just a ton of upside. Obviously, the price is going to go way up from where it was in those two early mocks, but I still think it's going to be worth it. One one thing about uh, what Manaya was able to do toward the end of the season, a little bit of that Luke Weaver, Mike fulton thing that we're talking about where his swing strike rate didn't really go up. It was the 11%, 12% that we've kind of seen before, but the strikeout rate skyrocketed to 28%. So I'm not sure if we've seen anything that suggests that that's going to hold. But with a 12% mark, he should be higher than the 20% strikeout rates that we've seen. So if, even if he backs it off to 22 to 24%, I'll take that from Manaya. I'm going to throw it back to Nick real quick because he did highlight somebody that uh, is definitely one of those forgotten guys right now. I was going to ask you about that too. Right. Michael Kopech, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Like 98. 358 overall. And, and, and yeah. didn't he have his it in was, September? It was, yeah, it was in 2000, yeah, in Sub, 2018. September 18. Sure. September 19, yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah. That sounds cool, right? So I, I, guy I, throws like 100 miles per hour and then is supposed to have, what, a slider and a changeup? Yeah. Oh, yeah, change oh, man, I remember that changeup now. Yeah. That was good. That was good. Yeah, sure. Why not? No, that, that. that's, that's going to be really interesting. And, uh, and again, a big spring, I don't think, would make him cost prohibitive. Yeah, it, it would rise the pr raise the price for sure, but not to a level that's uh, that's something that you can't Probably afford. The same. What about Brent Honeywell? Brent Honeywell, pass. <laughs> Why is that? Didn't he have a setback? Yeah, yes. I thought, thought he had yes. a massive setback. He's had a couple setbacks. I think Honeywell too is one of those guys that uh, got a lot of pub because he's an oddity with that screwball too. I think he. Is it's okay. A better, <laughs> so I, think you, I think he was going that? to be a better yeah, real life pitcher for the Rays than a fantasy yeah. star. But you're, uh, also, an organization that is historically conservative about bringing guys back from injury. Yeah. It don't it's not worth your frustration unless you're in a keeper league. You want to try it? Go ahead. Yeah. Reset. League, but be patient, or else don't do it. Yeah. All right. So I noticed Pollock, you had uh, Herman Marquez up on the CSW leaderboard, and he was one of the guys last year that. Had I think it is that that's why I think it is Coors Field though.
because you do still see the tantalizing skills. And, um, you know, the tweets I got every time he had a good road start as if that was my problem with him at all. Like, it, it, it's, it's just so cut and dried. I mean, 367 on the road, 626 at home. I, I really do think it is that simple. And yeah, I mean, how good can he be on the road that you can withstand? Even if, even if you lower the 626 down to like a 480, the 367 on the road, like he has to improve that then too. So he has to be perfect on the road which is a pretty difficult task because guys are usually worse on the road just as a general rule, all players. And and that park just always wins. It just doesn't matter. Now, second part of the question, there's some second-half guys this last 2019. Do you see any regression like that happening with them, not necessarily based on just parks? Yeah, so not to the same degree, but I do think when we got into the Flaherty thing, I think he's being very much overdrafted because he can really only come down. I just – I. I don't think he's going to get better, and uh, sustaining I think would be tough. I think he'll have a solid skill set, but I'd put him as more of like the twenty to 25, 25th starter, and he's going as the eleventh. So Flaherty's yeah. definitely the one there that I would say is going to plummet off of what he did in the second half. On the topic of Marquez, uh, I think the real—I mean, one thing's you really need to notice is that his average on a slider this year doubled, uh, one fifty-four to two ninety-three. Yeah, I, I, I don't have that around, but right, essentially, just think about it this way. I mean, he threw it more frequently this year, which is great. If he's going to get pounded, right. he should throw it more. Right, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> 13.5 PVL last year, and then seven negative 7.3 in 2019. Not great, Bob. Uh, no, not great, Bob. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a pitch that we saw in that second half he started using in two-strike counts effectively. Yeah, it was brilliant. I, am not, I don't have this in front of me right now. I have to assume that his faith in the pitch, I mean, justifiably so, dwindled right it, he had to have changed his approach in some way there's no way he's still throwing this in the exact same way as he did in 2018 and i mean it's a slider sometimes you lose your feel for your slider and it can also be a thing you throw in cores it doesn't work the first couple of times your your confidence in the pitch goes away and it completely changes how you approach it with any breaking ball right cores so especially. so i mean yeah cores is undefeated it is i think also i mean we forgot to mention cal freeland and yeah, all that oh, kind of gosh. stuff in the conversation no, 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 no. Oh, not court, the same kind of but guy, but, like the, but the regression, but the Coors from, undefeated thing yeah. of like, maybe he's figured it and, out. Uh, and God, Freeland bothered me yeah, so much because like there was team a that lesson. Yeah, like three dollars and an NL only. Yeah, give me this sure. innings eater. But that, no, that was a good change. Yeah, it was a good buy. Well, and of course, then you throw in a juice ball too, and it obviously makes things a lot worse. So, you know, maybe that the the playoff ball. If that's what it is for 2020, that mitigates it a little bit. But I'm I'm still laying off Marquez. I just I don't mess with. I mean, Cooper's we'll pictures. be we'll be talking more about like John Gray versus Marquez. I'm sure at some yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, because they're going to be pretty. They are actually really close. Yeah. 164 to 200. I don't Do you expect a great year out of Lizardo? Um, yeah, pretty yeah. much. I, I love yeah, Lizardo. I absolutely love so Lizardo. It's really, it's really something else. I, I felt so lucky. to work on his defense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I felt really lucky that we got to see him in the wild card game. Yeah. I, I, I tweeted that out. I was, that was legit excitement. I just, I was so sad about that game and all of a sudden Lizardo showed that up. Game was was like bro- that game was not sad. That game was great. It was, uh, well, it, it felt sad at first because it was, what, like 3 nothing out of the gate and then just nothing was going on. I was just like, oh, come on. But then we get to see this And then the Lazardo showed up, and it was wonderful. Colin? So this could be its own discussion, and Nick can abstain since he hates saves. But okay. what are we doing with closers next year with, with the 
spread out, you know, saved across the league, and, and what are we doing next year for, for all the it's, it's really tough because, um, you know, in addition to it being so spread out, the two top guys that were there only because they were the two best the previous year melted down with Trinan and Diaz. Um, both maybe bitten by the ball a little bit. I think Diaz in particular, though they contributed to it plenty. Um, I think if people just blindly go for like Yates at the top, and was, another thing too though is the old guard, uh, the the stalwarts are now older too, and they're showing things in their armor with Jansen. And what if Chapman, it sounds crazy to say this because most guys would kick a bucket of puppies for a 97 mile per hour fastball. But if Chapman's down to 97, that's a real problem if that's where he's sitting. And yet he's starting to kind of decline. Um, I think for me, it's Hayter or I'm waiting. Because I do think he's somebody who will benefit from the ball, neutralizing. Define waiting though, because, and obviously the ADPs will change. But if you look at like where closers were going in these two early mocks, they were really pushed down yeah. from previous seasons. So we like the whole I'm not gonna pay for saves. You're not having to pay this. No, that's that's fine. Saves, that's so. that's what I mean though. I'm 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 in I'm in on that. I was part of that weight, and if everyone's doing it, that's fine. Give me the uh, give me. The, well, we'll see where Will Smith lands. But like Brad Hand and um, Taylor Rogers and. You know, I'll just get I'll just get little knickknacks from all sorts of different teams. We still had I'm looking at the leaderboard right now. There were still 21 pitchers that had at least 20 saves last year. Yeah. So it's not like and, 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 and there it, were 25 that had at least 15. And saves. it's not a big fall off. I was running some numbers on it earlier. It's not. It wasn't a big fall off from previous years. I mean, I think the lesson learned if you in 18, Blake Trinan was so unhittable, and then he lost his job this year. So when we were at the first pitch of the regional events in Atlanta. I said that Kirby Yates and Brad Hand would would save 40 games and strike out 100. I went one for two. Yates did it and Hand didn't. Uh, but I don't want any party Yates uh, in 2020 because yeah. that Cause this he's going to be the overdrafted. Yeah, and I am not paying the value. Last year he was a bargain because people were like, hey, he doesn't have the experience. Well, now he's gone out and but, done it. But you're but, not paying mm-mm. the same kind of premium we've had to pay in years past. You know, Trine and Diaz were top 50 picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yates went 108. That was last year, but Yates. I mean, this year, if we were an auction, it goes twenty two, twenty three dollars. I agree with you, Mason. Right one away, I would take Yates. Yeah, I think I that's think, a good value. For I him. think as an industry, people are afraid to overpay for saves now. So I think we're gonna have a little bit of a course correction. We'll there. see when push comes to shove, though, in March, well, and, I, and particularly and I think in like an overall a event. Example, you know, our people are going to you know push up into the you know six, seven round some of these closers. Right. I think we're coming in with a lot of uncertainty with teams too. So I think there could be a lot of changeover. And so with saves, I think at any time you're drafting in October or November, you know, anything before the calendar changes over, um, you're going to have a lot of volatility from that. So I think right now it's up in the air. We're going to have to kind of figure out where, uh, where some guys land before we decide. But, yeah, if the prices are like this, it's a little bit more open. But um, I, I am still open to taking the top guy, Hater. He went at 88. I thought yeah. that was a fair price. Oh, that's, it's an amazing price. Especially with a neutral yeah. ball. Because the homer was the only thing that was the big Hector issue. Hector Neris with more saves than Edwin Diaz. <laughs> I'll take, really. That's what it was like wow. last year. I, and, but I think Edwin Diaz is the good lesson for Kirby Yates. You know, how awesome, amazing Edwin Diaz was. And then, yep, <laughs> for sure. What does, what does Yates throw as a second pitch? Splitty. <laughs> A Your lot favorite. Of it. Your favorite. And you just said you'd take him. I know. All right. I, I think that's going to wrap us up, y'all. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. I appreciate all 1,000 of you. <laughs>